Well, this morning, the message that I have is IQ or attitude. <laughs> IQ or attitude. Now, IQ is the, uh, what is it called? Intelligence quotient. Now, an intelligence quotient is a um, standardized test that you're, a person is given, and whenever they crunch the numbers, I'll use that expression, of age and, and the questions and so on, they come up with what is considered an IQ. And the IQ is something people use to kind of put people in categories or boxes. And the average IQ is 100. Um, I'm not going to tell you where I fall in that, but uh, <laughs> we, we know that we all fall somewhere in, in that type, in that category of an IQ. Now, the, the, the studies have proven that between IQ and attitude, which one has the greatest impact on a person's life? And in reality, it's attitude. Attitude determines where you're going more quickly than your IQ. So we can, you look at people that are extremely intelligent and extremely gifted, and if they have a bad attitude, they're not going anywhere. You know, no one's going to hire them. Ever. And you see, attitude has not only something to do with our own perspective, but it has how we interpret the world around us. You know, anyone can say they have a, a bad life. You know, anyone can say that. And I know of an individual who was born in a uh, southeastern Asian country to an American GI, and she was abandoned by her mother in a ditch to die. And after a time, I, from what, you know, she doesn't know how long, because she was a baby, uh, after a period of time, someone came and picked her up and raised her for um, a while. And because she was a, an American GI's child, somehow she was adopted or able to be adopted in the U.S. And so she was adopted to a rural Pennsylvania uh, couple, and she was raised in rural Pennsylvania, and she had, oh, let's say she had a lot to um, overcome because she was the only one of her nationality in the school, so therefore she was kind of looked down upon by her classmates and bullied and, and uh, had a lot to overcome, but she had an IQ and she had an attitude, and her attitude was she was thankful to God that he had given her the opportunity to live and that she was raised by a Christian family. And so she thanks God for that opportunity. So when we think about a hard life, and I was going to bring um, in Lasse, you know, we get those coffee things every month from in Lasse, which is you have to grind the beans, you know. They come from either El Salvador or Guatemala, and um, they, the beans are shipped to the United States, and last week they were roasted, and this week we have it in our home. Well, and it's there, you know, it's a month, every month for $25 you get a bag of coffee. Well, for $25 this money goes towards helping an individual, and, well, many individuals, but today's um, packet came the other day, um, had a, a person that has been helped. Uh, so if you read the, read the inscription, you have this individual. He's, he's in a very dark place in their home. 
um, there's a doorway and there's no windows. And he's, sitting, he's seated on a cot and his three children are kind of lined up behind him. His wife died about five years ago. He has a kidney problem. And his daughter, who is perhaps 10, 12 years of age, has to quit school to take care of him. And so you see this sad man in his hammock, and when it rains, the water comes in the front door and just, you know, his house is mud. Well, the church that in Lasse is helping, um, that they go to their community and they look through their community to who is someone that the church can help in their community. Not someone who comes to the church, but who is someone in the community that they can help. And this individual was, you know, in a poverty country, in a poverty place, this individual was the most in need. And so they built him a house. Now, not, to, you know, not a two-story house. It's a flat piece of concrete with a building on it, you know, maybe 20, 15 by 20. And there's a division in it for a bedroom and, a, and perhaps a kitchen or a table. Most of the kitchens are outside because it's too hot. And it has a roof on it. And the picture in the inside is this man depressed. And, and you know, he's just hanging over the edge of the cot. And outside is this man who is dressed with a hat and his hand leaning on the house with his hand on his hip. It's like, okay, what attitude does he have? You see, the attitude that he had inside was defeated, discouraged, and, you know, it wasn't like he was posing for the picture. <laughs> he was just spent. But when somebody came alongside to help, there's this man with his hand on the building and his hat on, and he's smiling. <laughs> you see, attitude can say a lot about what we do and how far we go. And we might even say that attitude is a deciding factor in our lives. Attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling. And I, I, when I looked this up and I'm putting it together, it's like attitude is a settled. It's almost like it's a homestead. <laughs> it's a squatter. This, this attitude has come in and squatted down. Now, we're going to determine if it's going to be a permanent dwelling or it's going to be, you know, a squatter that's going to be driven off. Well, attitude is settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Most of the time, whenever we're looking at this, we're thinking about ourselves. That's what I'm focusing on here because we could... We can have bad attitudes about the government and about neighbors and about the job. And, you know, I can't do anything about that, only you. But we can do something about your attitude. <laughs> Straighten up or go, you know, fly right. You know, we're going to fix that attitude. <laughs> yes, we're going to fix that attitude right now. <laughs> do you need an attitude correction? Yeah, what is the, uh, what is it? Apply the, 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 the paddle to the, the, I don't know, it's like a, the paddle of learning to the seat of knowledge. <laughs> you know, we're going to make this work. And one of the, um, well, we'll go on. So we, we look at this and, and notice that attitude is reflected in a person's behavior. So attitude is something that not only uh, affects how we think, it affects how we believe, uh, what we believe and how we behave. 
So here's this individual that I spoke of with in Lasse that, I mean, he is in ab abject poverty. I mean, this is, don't know where he's going to eat. I mean, these people eke out a living. I mean, they, they grow what they eat. And if they can't grow it, they don't eat. And so here's this village that all of these people are just <laughs> living from day to day, and they're taking on a responsibility to help someone else. <laughs> oh. I think it's so ironic that we spend so much time and so much effort on outward appearances that we, you know, we spend money on what we wear and, <laughs> and uh, kind of pay no attention to mental health. And by mental health, I mean a correct understanding of God. I think mental, you know, people give up on God because they don't know what God is like. All they know is some types of rules and regulations, and, and he just can't wait to put you in hell. You know, what kind of a God is that? Well, it's not who God is, and it's not what God is about. So there is an old expression that says it's what's on the inside that counts. So what's in your heart, and how does your heart process Life and how do you look at life? <laughs> you know, the old expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, that doesn't work. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Yes. But I won't go there either. So, changing one's attitude, <laughs> you know, you know we have, we, I can take off on tangents all the time, you know, but... I have a lot that we want to say today, so stay off the tangents, okay? Well, stop talking about your tangents and get back to the sermon. <laughs> so changing one's attitude is not like changing your clothes. You see, for some, it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime of effort, and it is a lifetime of difficulty because sometimes attitudes have been ingrained in us since childhood, you know, if the wrong person got a hold of you when you were a kid, <laughs> you know, uncle so-and-so just used to rip you up one side and down the other, you know. What's a no-good kid like you going to ever become with an attitude like that? You need to straighten up, fly right, get your act together, be smart, you dumb person. You know, it's just like... Be smart, you dumb person. It's like, whoa, whoa. So an attitude is an enduring set of emotions. So it's a settled, and attitudes are settled. Attitudes are believable to the person, and they are endearing. They are enduring set of beliefs that we put in place. So our attitudes form over time, and we are expressed, we are exposed, excuse me, to a life experience and to people, and then we make an evaluation. So, um, uh, I think of uh, sports. You know, one individual uh, that I'm familiar with, when they were younger, they were not very, they didn't like baseball, you know, and they would, you know, half-heartedly swing at the ball. I hate baseball. Well, then a few years later, they went, and they were a little more physically developed, and they went to the batting cage and hit the ball, and went, whoa, I like baseball now. But you see, for them, the attitude that was, I don't like this, so there was no trying, there was no effort in it, 
But once they saw that they could do something, then it changed. And what happens in attitude is often perspective. And perspective has to be met with reality. And what happens is we have a reality that has either been imparted to us, forced on us, or just we just somehow come up with it on our own. So there is emotional behavior, there's uh, cognitive behavior, there's physical behavior of attitudes, there is positive attitudes, negative attitudes, there is neutral attitudes, and then the worst is sickening attitudes. I told you this, I don't know how many months ago. How many remember that? Yes, I see those hands. So sickened attitude. (laughs) A sickened attitude is a destructive type of attitude that has the ability to destroy any positive image. I'm glad it's not an epidemic of that. (laughs) But so what makes an attitude so important? In every attitude is an element of belief. We believe the attitude that we possess. We put faith in an attitude that we live by. Each attitude has these emotions and feelings and beliefs. Now, if you don't believe that, let's talk about Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you see, everyone has an attitude about something. You know, and whenever we light that fuse, we've got an attitude, you know. And we know that we're right because we believe it. See? So you see, attitudes, we form them by our own, the outlook that we have. So these feelings are connected then to, tor- to core values. And if, I am f- and if I and my feelings and my attitude are in me, I will defend myself with them until they destroy me. (laughs) See, that's the bad thing about it. Attitudes can destroy us, and we don't even know it. You see, we can have the right attitude about something, but have a wrong outcome. You know, we believe in God. We believe in salvation. We believe in eternal life. But we can have the wrong attitude I remember uh, uh, an individual that he, he, he was always preaching about getting back to hellfire and brimstone, that we got to preach the word. And I said, well, there's more to the word than people going to hell and pulling them out of the fires of hell. No, people need to feel the fire of hell in their lives. And it's always that way. No matter when you met him, he telling you about preaching the fire and hellfire and brimstone. Okay, so there was no change in him. That was his feeling. That was his settled-in emotion. And whenever he was in the uh, critical care unit and not doing very well, he died of a heart attack. (laughs) I thought, probably because he was afraid of dying and meeting the hellfire and brimstone God. Because he would never accept the idea of love. And I often thought, in his own life, he probably didn't have any type of love experience with relational, relational experiences. And so he could never see God in that perspective. So his attitude about life and his attitude of what he had received was projected out into everything that he did and said, and especially about the church. So an adi- a person's attitude directs their posture 
An attitude directs our moods. Is it a good day or a bad day? I don't know. What should it be? <laughs> That's always like that. <laughs> what should it be? Shall I have a good attitude? Why should I? Sun's not shining. Probably too hot if it did come out. <laughs> Those are negative attitudes, in case you didn't pick that up on that. See, their feelings about self and about life and outlook and society and God directs their view of today, tomorrow, the past, the future. Attitude just exudes <laughs> what they are. So attitude forms the outlook of our beliefs, how these beliefs become part of our core values. Our core values, nothing can stop me. Or, I'll never get ahead. Why try it new? Everything I try new fails. Hey, look at me, I'm great. <laughs> then one I remembered was, we're more popular than Jesus Christ. Do you know who said that? John Lennon, the Beatles. 1966. We're more popular than Jesus Christ. You see, attitude, perspective, and, you know, looking at how that the world is affected by who we are as an individual. And we find that when one tries to displace the wrong attitudes, okay, when we try to change our attitudes, we feel like we are betraying the attitude that has given us stability. Even if it's a wrong one. I say, okay, that's, you're going too far there. Well, look at it this way. Well, I remember whenever you're counting, uh, say an alcoholic person likes to drink. All right. So you've got this teeter-totter, you know, fulcrum uh, aboard, and, you know, it can go up and down. All right, so in our life, there are difficulties that come, okay? Pressure. Pressure comes, goes down. Well, how do we re relieve the pressure? Well, some individuals, you know, they like to have a few drinks. Okay, so they bring it back to normal, a few drinks. Well, then it gets pushed down, and it's, well, we need a few drinks, and it doesn't do the same thing, so they get a few more. Brings it to normal. Well, and, and, and again, I'm not saying, you know, if you have a few drinks, you're on an alcoholic, but the idea is when people consume a lot of alcohol to try and find that equal plane. It's like they are depending upon what they're drinking to make their life in balance. Now, if you take the alcohol away, their life goes out of balance. You see, they can't, it's like, I have to have this in order to keep my life in balance. And, and you know, it's, so it's like, we have used something to create a balance in our life and that use of that drug or alcohol or whatever has, if taking it away puts my life in imbalance and I need it to bring me back to balance and that's why the addiction behavior is there. Well, whenever people have used anger and fear and manipulation to keep their life in balance, you take that away, they feel out of balance. You take away their need to be angry, and they don't have a motivation. If I'm not angry at the people I work with, how am I going to go to work? <laughs> you know? If I don't hate my job, how am I going to be good at it? Because they need something to get the juices going. 
You know, I was doing pretty good till I showed up here. And you people, you set me off every day. And I just wait for that to be set off, you know. <laughs> so, but you see, whenever you take that away, they don't, it's like they're out of balance. What's wrong here? You're not angry today. <laughs> What's wrong? Don't worry, I will be. You keep, you see, what attitude. Well, they cannot interact without being negative towards the subject. You know, and we, we have people at the old folks' home. <laughs> you know, we have them everywhere. But the idea is some people, they are so negative. And it's not every, I mean, I'm just using that as a, they're just so negative. You can't talk to them about anything that there's some, not something wrong with it. You know, and there's got to be something wrong with everybody, including you. <laughs> One individual, I hadn't seen him for years, and he walks up to him, and I said, hello. He said, boy, have you gotten fat. And I said, well, thank you. I did put on a few weights. He said, well, I just can't help it. I just have to say what's on my mind. I almost said, you're ugly. I can fix fat, but you can't fix ugly. But I didn't say that. <laughs> I can get a little testy. <laughs> but you see, attitude is something that we have to work at. It's something that we put into practice and we put on every day. We can't change it like clothes, but like clothes, you need to put it on every day. <laughs> we need to remind ourselves of what it is. It takes the word of God to penetrate these core beliefs that we think keep us in balance, but in reality, keeping us out of balance and out of touch. We need the word of God to penetrate these core beliefs that are so ingrained into this person and into ourselves. So what we're doing is we're checking ourselves against the word of God. What is the proper way? What is the correct way that we should be thinking? How should we? Now, every day is in a, we said it on Wednesday night, uh, the, what's, what book are we reading? Philippians, yeah, Paul's letter to the Philippians. You know, um, Paul was in prison, and, and he was telling them about, he's writing to the church of Philippi, and he's telling them about uh, his experiences in Aphrodite's, was, I think it's Aphrodite's, he was, he was sick, and he was so glad that he didn't die, because it would have added sorrow upon sorrow to his life. Hmm. You see, Paul isn't walking down the yellow brick road when he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He is not walking in the yellow brick road. He's chained and in prison and under house arrest. He'd rather be someplace else, but he can't be there. So he's looking at life, and he's, he's dictating his attitude over the difficulties. The difficulties are not changing his attitude, his attitude about Christ and about the life he's in. Um, puts out there what he's going to say about life. Peter, and this is in chapter 1, verse 18. Now, this is in the Message Bible, so... When Terry throws it up there, um, it's not going to read the same, but it has some similar thoughts. Okay, Peter says this. Your life is a journey. You must travel with deep consciousness of God. 
Okay, attitude. We always need to have a deep consciousness of God, a God perspective. It costs God plenty to get out, get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. Negativity. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end attitude. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it has only lately, at the end of the age, become public knowledge. God always kept, excuse me, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. So you see, your journey, you must travel with a deep consciousness of God because you know that you have a future with God. Parentheses of those, um, of those two, not parentheses, colon, not colon, what is it? We put those brackets around. <laughs> you, you have a consciousness of God, deep consciousness of God, and you know, you know you have a future with God. So that, our attitude must be bracketed in those two, in those two thoughts. First um, Peter 1, 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You see, attitudes that are separate from God and separate from God's word are like perishable seed. Even people with good attitudes that is not connected with God and do not see their life as blessed by God or led by God, they're like perishable seeds because their, their focus becomes, I was like John Maxwell, he says, you know, people who are always climbing the ladder of success and when they get to the top, they find out the ladder's against the wrong building. <laughs> and so our attitude needs to be in God and our faith needs to be in God and our perspective needs to be godly. You know, I have a very real problem. I have a very real God. I know that God can take care of me. You see, the word of the Lord endures forever, so the word of the Lord formulates and form, forms our, our thoughts, our attitudes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things kind of work themselves to a good, to a divine pattern. So we're allowing God to do what he, what he does best. You see, every attitude must come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 3.14 Yet, my brothers, I do not consider myself to have arrived spiritually, nor do I consider myself already perfect. Attitude. <laughs> Here's Paul. He, he's saying, I... Or, I, I, I haven't made it yet, but I'm still working at it. 
You see, attitude is about perspective. Attitude is about how that God is at work in my life. And how that all things, the difficult things, the good things, all of these things are coming for me to make a decision about and formulates who I am. Paul says, I keep on going. I grasp every, every, I grasp every moment firmly that purposes for which Christ grasped me. I do not consider, I do not, excuse me, I do concentrate on this. I leave the past behind and with hands outstretched to whatever lies ahead, go straight for the goal. My reward, the honor of being called by God him in Christ. You see, the honor of being called in God in Christ. You know, I was thinking of, uh, I know some of you are too young for this, but uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s uh, song, I've, I've Gotta Be Me, or Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. That was the era. Um, Sammy Davis Jr., the I Gotta Be Me, says, The dream that I see makes me what I am. That faraway prize, a world of success is waiting for me. If I heed the call, I won't settle down, settle for less, as long as there is a chance that I can have it all. <laughs> I just got to be me and go for it. You say, well, that's, that's a good positive attitude. No, I'm not going to have it all. I'm going to reach for the cause of Christ. I have a higher calling than having it all. I have the call of Jesus Christ upon my life. You see, it's impossible to change the direction of an anchored ship. <laughs> so we have to be in motion and going into life. You can't, we just can't sit down and wait for our attitude to change. We've got to be living and going into life and looking and, and having difficulties and, and dealing with them. We remember that when God created us in his image, he put a part of himself in us. He put a part of himself in us. So what we're doing is allowing the Spirit of God and the Word of God to come together with what God has already put inside of us. Proverbs 3, 5 through 12, the message. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your, on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, wherever you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God, run from evil. Your body will, grow, your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine vast will brim over. But don't, dear friend, resent God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father delights is behind all of this. Sorrow looks back, worry looks around, faith looks ahead. <laughs> so, as we see ourselves being put together, 
by life and by all the difficulties. We find that, there's a quote here, C.S. Lewis, he says, the divine art of a miracle is not an art of, not an art of su- suspending the pattern to which events conform. It's not like we have this pattern, okay? This is the pattern of success. This is what I have to live by, and we try to force all of life events into that pattern. <laughs> it doesn't work. But we take all of the events that come, and we couple them together with what we already know, the attitude that God has given us, and we find that these events flow into and become a pattern, and that pattern becomes our life, and it is the life that we live in serving God. You see, when God made you, he went to great lengths to make you exactly as he wanted If you're going to reach your highest potential, you have to see yourself as God does. You have to see yourself as unique, as an original, as God's very own masterpiece. We find that as we have the painting of God's life on uh, us, our picture, who was Leonardo da Vinci, his but is the Mona Lisa. There's no smile on the Mona Lisa. <laughs> you know? Well, God paints our picture, and he has a smile on there, not because of the life events, because of the joy that's in our heart. And for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. And the last thing I believe that God wants for us to have is a bad attitude about who we are, about life, and about the difficulties that we face. Because God knows what the future holds, and he created us for such a moment, for such a time as this, we have come to the kingdom of God. So let that which is restored or or renewed in Jesus Christ come forth in our life and let it be expressed in our attitude of trust, of forgiveness and of love. You know, we don't have to, you know, dance down the yellow brick road. We've got to walk those hard valleys, those hard decisions. And like this young lady who, as a child, was left in the ditch to die. But God had a purpose. And sometimes we feel like we're left in a ditch. But you know, God has a purpose. God will see us through each of those situations. God will take us through every day. So every day, put on a fresh attitude, the attitude of Christ. Put that on every day and keep it there all day long, no matter what happens. (laughs) Allow God to filter it. Let the Spirit and the love of God filter those things as they come into our lives. Amen? Let's stand. IQ or attitude? (laughs) Well, let's have the right attitude, and the IQ will follow. They say that doesn't happen, but I think it does. (laughs) Father, we thank you that you are the one who created us, and God, you have sustained us in all of our difficulties and in all of our joys. You've given us a perspective of life. 
And Lord, let us see how that you work all things together for good. And Lord, we watch for that. We look for how you will renew us and revive us and give us strength for each day and insight into each problem. And Lord, courage for the difficulties. And so, Lord, we thank you. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. So, Lord, we ask you, you who are walking alongside of us, we ask you, Lord, to partner with us. May we partner with you that we may accomplish the task and have the attitude that you have about our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And have the right attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll smarten you up before you're done here. Yeah. <laughs>